Welcome to the Photo Mentors Podcast. Each episode, we speak to a photographer or filmmaker and find out the experiences and advice that make them who they are today. We do this by asking 10 key questions, the same questions to each guest, so that we can find common themes and compare how different photographers and filmmakers go about their craft. This week's guest is photographer Damien DeMolder. Damien is a former editor of Amateur Photographer magazine, where he gave me a job as a technical writer many years ago. But he started his photographic career as an in-house, or should I say at-sea photographer, photographing onboard cruise ships. Now he still writes about photography and reviews camera kit and has been published in titles such as the British Journal of Photography, dpreview.com and of course Amateur Photographer magazine, whilst he also works with a number of manufacturers on a variety of different projects. At heart, Damien is a documentary and street photographer with an extensive collection of APS film cameras. When the world allows, he regularly hosts workshops on street photography around the UK and sometimes further afield. I'll put all of Damien's social media links in the show notes, but you can find him on Instagram at damien.demolder. So before we delve a little bit deeper into how you work as a photographer, let's get some of the biographical stuff out the way and get to know a little bit more about you know the, the nitty gritty of your photography. Okay. First up... What was your first camera? First camera was a Kodak 127 Brownie. It was the 44A version. Gift from my mother. Uh, she switched to 110, which I knew was a bad idea even <laughs> then. And I was very pleased to have her medium format camera. Okay, so you're leaving the house right now, right this second. I appreciate it. it's quite late at night. Um, but what camera and lens are going with you? <laughs> forget, the time, forget the time of day. You're leaving the house. What camera and lens are coming with you? This is such a hard question, Richard, because I can never decide what camera to take with me. However, if I was going out to do some street stuff or I was going out for like to be a normal person and I wanted to take a camera with me, I'd take the Lumix GX9 or the GX880. GX880 you can take out when you're wearing a suit or going somewhere civilized and you pretend that you're not a photographer. Cool. What non-photographic items are in your camera bag? Well, <laughs> you know, the first thing that came to my mind was gloves. Okay, but sensible. when I spoke to my wife about this, she said, actually, it's pens. And it's because when we got stopped at security one time at the airport, they unzipped my, the front pocket of my camera bag and I had 25 pens. And she went mad because she could never <laughs> find a pen on her desk at home. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pens, unfortunately. I had a, I've got a funny airport story as well. I was going through and I had a, um, I was charging my phone at the time and had a load of camera equipment and electronics and stuff and had a battery pack that had a small um, LED display telling you the battery percentage in, in like red, those 1980s red yeah. digital letters. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so they um, wanted to inspect my bag and they pulled out a, a battery and a whole load of cables all around with each other <laughs> with a LED display and a big red countdown timer going off on it. And then they swabbed my bag and for some reason it had a trace of explosives on it, which I couldn't explain. <laughs> Although it was a certain bag by a manufacturer that you put like a paraffin wax coating on. So I don't know whether uh, that yeah. had anything to do with it. But yeah, that was, uh, that was quite entertaining getting pulled to one side for a minute. They don't um, like rocket blowers. Yeah. <laughs> It was like hand grenades. Um, okay, your favourite place to take photographs? Uh, this is easy, actually, because it's anywhere. Wherever I am, um, I love taking pictures where I am. But that's, not, that's a boring answer because people don't want to hear that. Um, so big cities. London is the obvious choice. 
Um, but anywhere where there's lots of people, different times of different styles of architecture, and anywhere where there's interesting light. So cities, really, I guess. Okay, really, uh, really tough one, and quite insightful as to how you are as a photographer. But how many camera bags do you own? <laughs> this is this is an embarrassing one. Uh, I was <laughs> I was thinking about this question earlier, and I was sitting in the we've just moved house. And we've got a little sitting room that we are now using as our kitchen, our dining room, and everything because the builders room. And I said, "I want to know how many camera bags I've got." And she laughed because it's a contentious issue in this house. Always. And I have a pile of stuff just stored there before it goes into the right places. And she counted twenty camera bags <laughs> in that sitting room, <laughs> and that's not counting the ones in my office or in the loft. So the answer is, I don't know. You've got a use for all of them though, right? Yes. Yeah. There was one, I had one two weeks ago that was empty. And my son got a camera. He got a Blackmagic um, Pocket 4K thing for, for uni. Um, so I gave him my only empty camera bag <laughs> and he's delighted with it. Okay, and quickly, an extra one. Why APS cameras? <laughs> but actually, do you know what? That's, it's a good question because... Um, they were maligned at the time, um, but they were small, small cameras, and they were modern, um, and they did up. They did everything that a DSLR did. Uh, or we didn't have DSLRs, did we? We had film cameras in those days. They did everything that an SLR did, but in a smaller body with smaller lenses, and you could take them out much more portable, lightweight. And do you know what? As well, APS revolutionised the camera business because we suddenly started getting style and nice well, designs and yeah, is it the canon, canon eos canon eos 1x ix oh, yeah but oh you look at God. The, the, the vectus cameras they were cool <laughs> and the the pronia cameras nikon pronia s was fantastic with that little roman catapult thing on the top that they called a flash gun you could fire pots of milk off it so yeah small cameras and i still like small cameras and that's why i use micro four thirds a lot so the the deep dive questions then. So let's get started. God. <laughs> Who or what has been your biggest influence in photography? Um, the photographer that influenced me most is Julia Margaret Cameron. Um, I never got to meet her, and <laughs> it's, it's probably one of those. If you did, if I did meet her, I'd be disappointed. So um, I'm glad that the, things are the way they are. But quite early on, um, I came across her pictures. Uh, she shot in the 1860s, uh, wet plate, large format, obviously, and beautiful, beautiful photographs. Um, and I just, I, the whole atmosphere about her pictures and that she's telling a story in a very old-fashioned way, a very classic way, um, has influenced my work. Um, sometimes that influence is completely invisible, um, other than her um, lack of uh, respect for focusing. <laughs> I'm quite good at that. But uh, yeah, it's her atmosphere and what she was trying to achieve had a big influence on me. And it still does. She's still my favourite photographer. Never get bored of looking at her pictures. Okay. And what is, what's your favourite sort of photographic project that you've done? This is hard because I have a folder full of photographic projects that I haven't done. Because um, I never have time. I don't know how people have time to do projects. But I'm always told by people that do projects, well, you have to make time. Um, so I've done a few, actually. I, one of my, the one that sticks out in my head, actually, is um, when I did a project about um, movement in street photography, using a long shutter speed for street. 
because usually I'm shooting at a thousandth of a second or um, a five hundredth at least. Um, and then I went to do long exposures um, in the street to get motion and people moving. Um, it gave me a completely different um, outlook. And the pictures came out, actually came out really well. I was really quite surprised at the things I discovered doing that. So I think that's, um, that's my favorite project. Also recently I've been learning video and I shot a, a I had a, a funny little blogging camera. It was the, the G100 Linux camera. And I wanted to make a little short film and my neighbor had dug a pond. Um, so I went and interviewed him and he showed me around his pond. And it's, I have to say, it's not a brilliant film. But I loved doing it and I learned so much doing it. So I think probably the, the long exposure street stuff is the one that was more successful. Um, but the filming my neighbour talking about his pond was the one that taught me most. Do you think it's important to have a project, to have something to aim for? <laughs> well, I'm probably not the person to ask that. But uh, yes, it is. Um, it, it focuses your mind. Having your purpose in your photography is, is really important. Uh, because then, it, it, then we can avoid those days where we go out and nothing really happens and you come back, you know, oh, didn't really get any pictures because we, we didn't have an aim. We didn't have any sort of intentions when we went out. So having a project gives you um, a boost. It's some, you go out looking for something specific and you tend to find things more when you're looking for them. Um, so yeah, it does. It also gives you the opportunity to experiment with style and technique and doing different things. Um, and also, uh, once you've learned all most of the photo techniques that you need to know uh, gives you a, a bit of purpose in your photography and if you need you want to get across a message or promote a cause or an issue or something like that then yeah it's, it's very important i should do more of them okay so that brings us nicely on to actually what are you currently learning or what's the last thing that you've learned i've been learning um to shoot and edit video actually that's what i've been doing um over the last intensively i think over the last 18 months um i used to think video was the work of the devil but about a, uh, about three years ago i think i started pressing the red button a bit more um and shooting um, a series of stills together at 30 frames a second um all i could see when i began was what i didn't know um and that was quite intimidating and the language um, was different but i've come to realize actually the language is describing exactly the same thing we have in stills photography uh, they just change the words so that stills photographers don't start shooting video um and it's i'm really enjoying it actually it, i still um have a hell of a long way to go uh, but uh, i mean we always do i've still got a hell of a long way to go with my still photography as well but um yeah i'm learning to shoot and to edit and to grade um, and to plan and putting things together, learning about the kit as well, man. There's so many accessories and things you need. With the, when you go out shooting stills, you put a camera and lens in your pocket, off you go. But um, with video, there's so many things. Um, but yeah, I'm learning that. The last thing I learned actually was um, um, I, we use Resolve, the DaVinci Resolve Studio to um, edit and to grade my stuff. And <clears throat> you will see these people uh, doing the video, very clever effects. And I was, oh God, oh, I need to learn the basics first. But I was shooting a video about anamorphic photography the other day, and I wanted to show that amazing thing where your squeezed image stretches out to fill the frame. Um, and thankfully, uh, YouTube is your friend. And there's 150 different people that want to tell you how to do that. So I learned that, and I was very pleased. And just learning that little thing, 
made me feel like, God, you know what? Maybe I'm making it. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting there. Yeah, so that's the learning video and learning editing techniques in Resolve. So to follow that up, what what is it about video? What is it? Because personally, I think it's, um, you know, I've been taking photographs for uh, God knows how long at this point, what, 25 odd years. You and for me, I've, I'd, I'd always <laughs> had an interest in video back going back to sort of when I was learning it at school. But um, for me now, it's sort of almost like, democratization of it in that we can we've got the kit in our hands that otherwise would have cost well you wouldn't be able to shoot what you could shoot now on video and from stills photography almost see it as a the next step for me in telling stories and just wanting to learn um something else so i like going out of a camera and shooting landscapes but there's something about telling a story of that journey perhaps and all the little bits that you wouldn't bother to photograph like you know if you were compared to shooting a video all that all those cool little bits of b-roll which might not fit in a big landscape projects because you mm, want to yeah. just photograph that grand scene so what, what what is it for you that attracts you to to video i think you what you've just said is probably the correct answer and you do that very well um what for me actually it's something new and i'm interested in doing new things and um finding out what i can learn doing that. Um, I have found the things that I've learned from video um, are teaching me how to shoot stills differently. I, I got to a stage in my still photography where I was trying to tell us much more focused on telling a story in a single image and creating atmosphere and um, using color and all those sorts of things. And that stuff that I learned there is translated really easily into video. Um, it's, it's really useful stuff. Um, and it is like you said, it is that um, ability to tell a story from the beginning to the end uh, in one body with a still um, with stills. You need to have a, a lots of different pictures um, and put them together to, to create um, something that tells a story from from beginning to end. Or you, I mean, you can tell a very short story in one picture, um, but the, to tell with the same sort of depth, you need a, a series of images. And video just does it so well. What video brings, though, for me, is um, the movement and motion that we don't get in stills. I mean, that just sounds really obvious, um, but it's it's more than just having, you know, thirty frames a second telling the story. It's the, that we can show movement and motion uh, in a different way, but also sound. Um, having sound over your pictures, um, I really enjoy, and I'm um, doing my best not to use. Um, any music over my videos, um, and I'm, I'm trying to use sort of ambient um, environmental sounds instead of that. Um, not necessarily very successfully. Why is that? <laughs> Partly because I still haven't discovered how you get music that you can use. Um, my son, <laughs> my son runs a record label, so if I want some drum and bass, then um, <laughs> I've got plenty of music, plenty of choices. And he's very happy to recommend things, which I have used over the, over the um, some of it's not horrific. Uh, some of it's actually really quite pleasant. Uh, but I, I, I got some mics and I spent quite a lot of money on microphones and um, learning about audio is something that's um, become really important to me and listening. Um, so just keeping still and hearing the sounds and bringing those into the video a bit more rather than just, you know, playing some cheesy orchestral drama. I watched a video the other day and it was the most 
plain thing that was being spoken about. But the music was amazing. It was like it was a car chase. And it just seemed completely incongruous. But I don't want to go down that route. So what, how are you, what's learning like for you in, ter- in terms of just having so much information? Because for me, learning photography, it was picking up amateur photography magazine, practical photography, picking up, you know, a, a library book by John Hedgecoe, one of the many books by John Hedgecoe <laughs> yeah. that then got given to me as birthday presents. But now, obviously, we've got the access to to YouTube. How's, how's that helped you? And how's that, you know, what do you think of that? Is that good? Is that bad? Is that giving you an overload of information? Uh, YouTube is fantastic. Um, there's so much on there. There's so many people that just want to help you and they want to show off what they can do and they will show you um, how to do it too. There's a lot of people teaching, it's the same in still struggling. There's a lot of people teaching you things that are completely pointless. Why would you want to do that? Um, but you just have to be selective. Um, I still like a book. Actually, I have to say, I still like a book too um, to supplement that because the YouTube stuff is often about a technique or how to do something quite practical. Whereas in the books that I've chosen, um, there's a bit more discussion about why you might do that. And um, some of the more of the options, you, you get a bit more of a, a, rounder, um, a rounder bit of information, I think, from books. Um, but watching movies too. Um, I... Uh, when my son and I watch a movie together, we're a nightmare because we're discussing the camera angles. And my wife's going mad because she can't hear what they're saying. <laughs> and the lighting, cool, do you see that? And uh, so look, uh, seeing what other people do as well um, is really, really helpful. Of course, when you watch a movie, most of it's completely out of your budget. Um, but you can still pick up ideas and shots. Um, there was a series called Deutschland 84, I think it was. And the photography was just stunning. So, right, how do I do that? Uh, how do I bring that into my photography? Um, so, yeah, it's, there's a whole lot of different places you can learn. And still, I still learn video things or things I can use in my videography from looking at still photography. So, actually, yeah, that's cool. Look, I could incorporate that into uh, what I do as well. What photographic technique do you wish you'd have learned much earlier in your journey? Uh, this is um, easy. I had, I don't know when it happened. But suddenly I started looking at light and exposing for light and using light differently. And I know that sounds, well, that's just really obvious, isn't it? And photography is all about light. But as much as we all know that photography is all about light, we don't always pay as much attention as we could do to light. And um, some time or other, I think it was when I became the editor of AP, I stopped taking as many pictures for the magazine because I was having meetings with the publisher and things like that. And I didn't get to test the kit. It was all you lot got to test the kit that I wanted to use. So the only time I got to take pictures was on my way from the station to the office and, and going home again. Um, and it was the morning and there was long light and I suddenly started getting excited about that and started seeing it for the first time, kind of late in life, perhaps. Um, but when I, I do uh, lots of camera club talks and workshops and things like that, and when I do a talk about like two people that have been taking pictures for 50 years and you show them these things and they go oh my god i've never thought of that before um because it's uh, it's just one of those sort of blatantly obvious things that we completely ignore and don't pay as much attention to as we should do and if i'd thought of that earlier i would have saved myself 
lot of um, disappointing images. What photo have you taken that means the most to you? So this isn't necessarily your favourite photo you've ever taken, but perhaps the one that's you've got the best story behind it or the one that emotionally means the most or it might be the location you were in or something like that? Um, but I think the, the pictures that I like most that I've taken are of my family, the kids. Um, particularly when um, the oldest one was born, I had a Polaroid back on, I can't even remember what camera it was. It was a 5.4 camera and I lit it with a, a bounce bit of flash off a wall and he's lying in the cradle and I used it, it was the Polaroid, um, uh, the Negpos one. So I got a, a negative from it and I printed from that. And that picture is, it's beautiful to look at um, and I'm really pleased with that. And obviously I've got an emotional connection with it because it's one of my children. Um, but I mean, other people are going to be bored by that. But I took a picture a while ago, um, the bus, uh, the train was cancelled. I lived, at the time I lived at, on a one track line and we were at the end of the line. And if there was a leaf on the line, the whole system shut down. So I got down to the station and there was a bus, a replacement bus service. And everyone's going, oh, yeah. I thought, oh, this would be interesting, it'd be a bit different. It was a double decker bus. So I sat upstairs, obviously, because I'm a child. Uh, and the sun was shining through the windows and creating beautiful shadows. And the guy in front of me's shadow was going onto that, you know, that panel that goes around the, the top of the stairs on a bus. Yeah. And as yeah. the bus was going around corners, his, the head, his head, <laughs> the shadow of his head, sorry, was whizzing around that panel. And I photographed it and I, I took a lot of pictures, I have to say, but I, I moved myself eventually so that I got a little bit of the seat in front of me in the picture, his head shadow in exactly the right place, which was pure luck. And there was a guy sitting um, at the front of the bus too. So you got to see the, the back of his head and um, way off into the distance. And it's, it's just a picture that, um, for me anyway, kind of encapsulates everything that I was trying to achieve. Atmosphere, a sense of occasion, and more importantly from that, it's a really good, I think it's a really good picture taken in a very everyday, normal situation. And I like that. You don't have to go to Paris to do street photography. You don't have to go halfway around the world. You can shoot it exactly where you live. Um, and I, I, that also gives me a bit more of a thrill. But it's, it's actually quite a nice picture. It did well on Instagram, which is not a good measure of whether it's a good picture or not. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite photographic failure and what did you learn from it? I've... <laughs> I fail every day, Richard, at something or other. Uh, and I've learned to accept those failures as part of the, the process of learning. But the thing actually that um, I failed at that's, that, that can't be recovered is um, in my early days shooting digitally, um, shooting, processing raw files was a really painful and long experience. It was right up there with scanning and testing a printer. God, you'd just leave so much life doing it. And when I was testing a camera, obviously we had to shoot RAW and JPEG and test both things. But when I was shooting for myself, I just shot JPEGs. And um, there was a lot of benefit in that because I guess I'd learned to do everything in camera and to get it all right, etc., etc. Uh, but now when I go back to those pictures and I think, oh, I'd like to just lift the shadows and these, there isn't nearly as much um, flexibility in some of those files as I as I would like. 
Um, so I have an archive of um, pictures that um, the street stuff that I can use because they are, I tried to get them exactly the way I wanted them in camera and a little bit of a curve normally in Photoshop would, was all I did anyway. Um, but now there's a lot of things I would like to do with those shots that I just can't really. Um, so that's a bit annoying. I was looking through, it was, uh, I used to be in love with Samsung cameras, the NX cameras, and I shot pretty much everything um, for myself in JPEG. And they had quite extensive in-camera JPEG control, so you could really change the way you had Photoshop in the camera, basically. But because I only shot JPEG, the look and the style of some of those is quite fixed. And there's things, you know, I just like to change because I've moved on a bit from some of those things. Um, but hey, hey ho, one of those things. So what have you stopped doing and why have you stopped doing it? I stopped caring very much about what other people think of my photography. Um, I, it was important to me for my, this is for my personal work. Obviously, if I'm doing a job for you, Richard, and you don't like the picture, <laughs> then I'm going to have to do it again. So I'm going to pay careful, very careful attention to what it is that you want, and I'll take great pleasure in delivering exactly what you want and making you happy. Uh, but for my personal work, um, I concentrate on making myself happy. Um, and that, that can be a bit of a painful process because it's very difficult to completely disconnect yourself from what other people think. And we all, I think we all want approval. I certainly do. And if I post something that I think is a bit different and revolutionary uh, on uh, my social media, I know deep down it's not really going to do very well. And well, I don't really care because I shot it for myself. Um, but then you don't, then the likes don't come rolling in <laughs> and it's painful. But it, it ultimately, um, it means that... Um, I am taking pictures for myself, for my own pleasure and entertainment. Um, and it's very difficult for us to do, even amateur photographers, to do that. I, I, I'm talking at clubs. People are shooting for the judge. Oh, they know what judge is coming to judge this particular competition. So they're going to produce a certain look or they're going to get the person in the red coat in the background because he mentioned that last time. Um, oh, the judges don't like this and they don't like that. Um, and well, that's fine because they're trying to get points and they're trying to do, they're trying to achieve their ambitions. Um, but then they feel that they can't do their own stuff. Um, or they spend all their time doing photography for other people. And that's what professionals do. Um, we spend our whole lives photographing, taking pictures for other people. And as much as that's great, uh, other people's vision isn't necessarily the same as ours. So I, I stopped worrying about what other people think of my personal work. And it's freed me up. So if, if it doesn't matter what other people think, you can do what you like. And so long as it makes me happy and it uh, fulfills my aims for um, what I get out of photography, then that's cool. That's completely cool. Did it bother you before? How, like, how would you be affected by it? For me, the analogy is, is always like when your football team loses you know, you, you want to just go, oh, you know, whatever, I'll get on with the day. But when somebody, you know, leaves a comment on one of your your YouTube videos or your Instagram posts or something, basically just saying, well, you know, this photo isn't very good, but in far harsher language, you're always like, oh, well, whatever. But then you find three hours later, you're still thinking about it as much as you said, I'm not, I'm not going to let it bother me. Is it similar for you? It just lingers there in the background for the rest of the day. <laughs> Yes, it does. It depends on my spiritual condition <laughs> at the time. 
obviously, if I'm in the right place and I'm anchored and I know where my priorities are, <clears throat> it's fine. But um, as you say, we're all human and um, we have weak spots. Yeah, it's difficult. I Some of the things I do for DP Review, um, the, the comments section can be brutal, absolutely brutal. And people that just think you're not human, you've got no feelings, <laughs> they just say the most awful things. And quite often they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. Yeah, oh God, yeah, I should have done that. You're quite right. But sometimes they're just unpleasant. Um, and that kind of thing, um, as much as I try to not let it bother me, of course it bothers me. Um, but I've, I just go and eat a bar of chocolate. Um, <laughs> I've stopped jumping <laughs> off buildings because that doesn't make you feel any better at all. Okay. So what's the worst bit of photographic advice that you've ever heard? Not necessarily it's been given to you, but you might have heard somebody at a, at a, a, a show or a talk or something like that, and you've just thought, that, why, why, are they, why are they even saying that? <laughs> oh, man. There's, it's the same in any pastime and hobby, isn't it? And activity where people get involved and they get passionate about it and there's a particular way of doing something or something has to be this way uh, because we've always done it that way usually um, and yeah there's just a massive pile of bad advice and <clears throat> most of the bad advice is you have to do it this way or you should um, should is a bad word and you have to is also bad uh, because it makes people feel that um, they, they have to, uh, they're compelled to do something the way someone else thinks. Um, the things like the one I hear most when I talk to camera clubs and I show my pictures, there's always a question well, you, you have a lot of black in your pictures, don't you? There's, yes, I do, yeah, because I'm saying shadow and it's got to be, it's very rarely black, black, but it's very often a very dark. Club judges always say that, um, you know, you, you can't see in there. There's no, there's no detail. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, I don't care because I don't put my stuff in front of club judges for that reason. Um, I don't put my stuff in front of any judges really because, well, because I'm afraid <laughs> I won't win, but also because you know, I'm shooting for myself. So things like that about um, rules, people giving out rules about what you have to do in photography and none of them rules they're all just suggestions if you do it this way you might find um, you might find it useful if you do this and there's a lot of good guidance rules are guidance they're not rules you can't have any black in the picture well that's guidance isn't it you look in magazines anything that's creative uh, they will break all of those rules so yeah I think one of the things that um, I hear most of all is um, shouldn't have black in the picture um, which is rubbish because we used to in the dark room, produce a nice high contrast print. Uh, of course, there are occasions where you know you, you want to be able to see into the shadows, but a lot of my stuff's sort of graphic, and the more the deeper the black, the more graphic the the picture. So, yeah, there's a there's so much bad advice, uh, but it's the same as anything else, isn't it? And I'm sure I've given bad advice too in the past. What has been your best photographic accessory purchase? Can't have a camera, can't have a lens, got to be an accessory. I'm trying to pick through them and I've got quite a few things recently that um, I've got that I really, really like and I use a lot. Um, 
I, one, of the, one of the most dynamic things I bought was a wrist strap for my little camera so that I didn't have to use a big strap and I could still use a strap. Um, and it just made me feel secure holding it and that I wasn't going to drop it ever. So that was, um, that was a really good thing to buy. Recently, actually, um, do you know the H&Y Revo rings? Yep. Um, when I first saw that, I thought, that's very cool. I, I really have a problem with fiddly accessories. And I, I know screwing a, an adapter ring into the front of your lens isn't actually a big deal. Um, but when your hands are cold and you've got a camera bag and you're trying to hold 15 different other things, um, sometimes I can't be bothered. And I wouldn't bother to use a filter when really I should have done them when I get home with, oh man, I really should have put a filter on. So these Revo rings, um, they just fit on so quickly and easily. And I find them really useful. I use them a lot for video, actually. Um, I use <clears throat> the one with the built-in ND and the polarizer. Uh, so that's very cool. The other really good thing I bought, actually, that I'm just absolutely in love with is the Rode um, Stereo Video Mic X. Um, it, I use it with the XLR adapter on my Lumix cameras, and it enables really, really high-resolution, high-quality audio just from the hot shoe. You can stick it on a pole and all that sort of thing as well, but it gives you the most incredible um, surround sound. It picks up from all around you and it's brilliant. And as I said, it'll produce 96 kilohertz in 24 bit, um, so long as you, your camera can support that. Um, and I was astonished. I did When I first got it, I did a test with it. Uh, I was in um, Liverpool and I was filming, there was a, a guy playing reggae music in the street late at night. And I filmed him with the camera mic, and then I used um, a hot shoe mic with a you know the normal three and a half mil cable, and then I switched the XLR adapter on with this microphone, and the difference was astonishing, absolutely astonishing. So yeah, I love that, um, and it gives me it just gives me really beautiful sound. So I'd say that's probably actually my favourite thing. Interesting, interesting. It wasn't I don't know I don't know what I would have thought it would have been, but. <laughs> wasn't expecting a video related product shows how the world's shifting yeah well you can use it for stills too you can it's yeah just you put, put it in front of the camera um take <laughs> it's, some photos it's a of bit it top heavy well, it's a bit top heavy when you put it on a gimbal <laughs> that's the problem gimbals are my least favorite accessory because i can never balance them with yeah. the kit i want on and it drives me mental and the camera the gam gimbal gives up and then the camera lens smashes on the front of the so oh, yeah they are a pain i got the little um i can't remember what it's called now the dji pocket osmo yeah the osmo pocket um just great because i was out shooting and i was trying to shoot handheld without a gimbal and you know stabilizer stabilization on this and that and doing that walk where you're trying to sort of clench something between your bum and not lift your feet off the ground <laughs> so you walk as steadily as possible. And I got the footage back and it was just terrible. And then you put, like, you go into Adobe and you try and stabilise it. And then it's like you're on a kind of, I wouldn't know, but it's like you're on an LSD trip. All the corners are getting wobbly and blurry. <laughs> and it was at that moment I was just like, right, the I just want the Osmo Pocket so I can just pull it out, hit record and just get nice, smooth, steady footage like mm. that. Just for those odd bits of B-roll where you're out sort of filming and bits and pieces like that. We did it. Last question then. Why do okay. you keep taking photos? 
Why, why haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I've seen your I've seen your work. Yeah, why do you keep doing that? <laughs> yeah. yeah well, why, I'm, what, I'm a slow learner, Richard. What? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I you know the obvious answer is it's it's a you know it's a creative art, and we've all got a passion for it. But what's what specifically? Because I've had mornings where I'm just like, oh, I can't bother. I'd like just sell my camera and just be done with it. And then, you know, a few hours later, you're like, look at the light. And you're, you know, running outside. What keeps you going? What keeps you ticking? Why do you keep taking pictures? I don't have a choice, actually. <laughs> um, some time ago, my brain changed. And all I can see now is in pictures. I, my whole world is... Um, seen as a photograph or a, a video clip um, and since then I, I, I just feel compelled to take photographs um, and I, I don't think I've had a, a day where I haven't done something with a camera for I don't know 20 something years um, and actually, when I was at college, when I, I before I joined the magazines as well, I was taking pictures nearly the whole time. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of a bit hooked on it. Um, I think what spurs me on though is that I don't know everything, and that really bugs me. Um, as you, <laughs> you know, I like to know everything, and um, I don't yet. And there's always some other clever sod who's done something I haven't done. Um, or seen something I haven't seen or taken a better picture than I've taken. And the hunt is still on. I'm still looking for that perfect picture in the full knowledge that there's no such thing as the perfect picture beyond the few minutes and hours that you look at it and you appreciate it. But um, I've also discovered that it doesn't matter how many pictures I take that I think are really good, um, I haven't taken enough. And... Um, I have that problem with anything that's good. I want more of it. Um, so yeah, I, I love it. I really do love taking pictures. It's just the best thing in the whole world. Um, it's so exciting and thrilling. Um, there's so many different ways you can do it. But also there's a great joy in shooting in a very simple way, but really concentrating on composition and color and exposure um, and and your own vision rather than the cameras can get in the way can't they they there's so many things that they can do and so i try to when i'm not testing this is when i'm shooting for myself i try to set them up in a really simple way so that i can just look at what i'm shooting and forget about what the camera's doing well you know to a certain extent um you you get to feel where things are and you know where stuff is so you don't have to think about it in a conscious way. It's a subconscious. I try to get uh, very familiar with my kit so I don't have to um, spend ages thinking about it or looking through the menu to find something. I want everything just at my fingertips so it doesn't get in the way and I can forget the camera uh, and just look and photograph what I'm looking at. And I love cameras that do that for me, that allow me just to forget them. It's like having the best waiter in the world, isn't it? You don't know they're there, the food just appears when you want it and they, your drink's always topped up and, and it's free at the end of the night. Um, he says, do a runner. But yeah, so that, yeah, that's, that's um, I just love that. And um, photography is just so fulfilling. And I can, I, I've 
bring it into my personal life now. And I love photographing my family, my kids, and it's very difficult to see all your family at the moment. But that, that sort of thing really means something to me as well. I'm not just about landscapes and about groovy buildings with graphics and things. I love taking pictures of my family because it means so much to me. And I love looking back at pictures. Um, we were discussing um, with some mates the other day, but uh, isn't it amazing when you see a picture that maybe took a 60th of a second to take um, and that you completely forgot on that occasion. And you look at the photograph and it brings back the whole day. How does that work? <laughs> it's like a portal and it draws you in and, and I love that. Um, so yeah, I, I just can't help it. And there's so much new kit as well because I work in photography, obviously I'm testing new things the whole time. And there's so much new things coming out. Um, so many excited that um, the Sony camera that came out the other day, the A1, how astonishing is that? Absolutely astonishing. And the new Fuji um, GX camera, 100 million pixels, and it's in a, a slim rangefinder restyled or a small body um, with stabilization. And you'd never have believed that, would you? When you started, um, even when I started, it was all wet plates. But it's, um, it's so incredible what you can do now, and the possibilities are almost endless and we're completely spoiled for convenience and for quality now so yeah the day they stop bringing out cameras um mate, oh, actually won't make me less excited because <laughs> the ones i've got are still good you got that, all those aps-c ones still <laughs> when was the last do, time yeah. when was the last time you shot on one of those aps cameras um <laughs> which decade was it a very very long time ago <laughs> i can tell you have you got any film in your fridge still Oh man, I have a big pile of film. Really? Before this lockdown, not this one, the one in March, um, I thought I was going to be really bored and that I'd have chance to do my personal project. So I bought a whole load of uh, 5.4 film, not that I needed to, but I needed some fresh film, obviously. And I bought some chemistry and it's still in the box <laughs> because I, have no, I just have not had a moment. Uh, and I find that really frustrating, actually, that there's a lot of things I'd love to be doing and that I can't, but I've only got one life <laughs> and there's only seven days in a week. Um, so that I find that a bit painful. But yeah, the last time I shot APS was a very, very long time ago. Okay. But I still have a, a big love for it. Damien, I think that is the perfect place to end. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for asking me, Richard. It's been good fun. Right, that's the end of the episode. Hopefully you enjoyed that. If you did, really appreciate it. If you would hit subscribe and leave a review wherever you download your podcast from. 